You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and the show this evening is focusing on food events, past and future. I have interviews from the recent Kerrygold Ballymaloo Lit Fest with Jacinta Dalton, Leslie Williams and the owners of Ox Belfast, Stephen Toman and Alan Curlock. And food writer and journalist Dee Laffin will be telling us what her highlights were from the weekend. Former Best Possible Taste producer Jerlene O'Sullivan will be on the phone to give us the heads up about her new radio documentary, Irish Coffee Undressed, which includes interviews at last year's Irish Coffee Championships in Foynes, County Limerick. That event usually takes place this weekend, i.e. the June bank holiday weekend, but sadly last year was the last year of it. And then Sinead Hennessy from Fulcha, Ireland, will be joining me to give us details on the many different events taking place during the month of June. If you want to get in touch with me, please feel free to drop me a line, s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, short for organisation. OK, so a few weeks ago, it was the third Kerrygold Ballymaloo Lit Fest in County Cork. It was, and I quote, declared a resounding success by participants, organisers and over 8,000 visitors from 30 different nationalities who spent time at the three-day event. I was lucky enough to arrive in time for the Big Shed party on the Friday night and I got to talk to lots of interesting people, including GMIT lecturer Jacinta Dalton, who's also a Fulcher Ireland food champion and Leslie Williams was with her and Leslie is a food and wine writer for the Herald, the Irish Examiner and the McKenna's Guides. So let's say this is a fairly atmospheric clip. You'll know what I mean when you hear it. And I started off talking to Jacinta about the atmosphere and Leslie was talking about sherry. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. It's been a superb opening night. Uh, as you can tell, there's a great atmosphere. We're here with wonderful people soaking up the atmosphere. Great music, great food, great wine, great sherry, as Leslie's going to tell you about in a moment. Uh, yeah, and, and the, the whole atmosphere is just, the opening night is all about networking. It's wonderful. Uh, well, I've got four events that I'm involved in. Um, I'm doing, uh, tomorrow morning at 9.30, we're gonna be doing value wines. Valley wines, which is not bad quality wines. This is very finest quality wines for the very least price. So I will be bringing a Fino Sherry, as Jacinta mentioned. However, what I'm drinking now, which you can see here in front of me, those of you in Radio Land cannot see this, but I'm drinking this amazing Onrama Sherry. This is a barrel sample sherry, right? There's only a few thousand bottles of this produced every year for the world, and they're selling it here for 450. A glass and I got a full glass of this amazing funky interesting five-year-age minded sherry so that was Jacinta Dalton and Leslie Williams at the Big Shed party on the Friday night. I think I enjoyed that night a little bit too much. On Saturday and Sunday, there was a full day of demos, talks and so much more with some amazing names there. April Bloomfield, Tim Wendelby, Alice Waters, David Broom, Joanna Blythman, who was on the show a few weeks ago here with me. And the list goes on and on. However, for me, the highlight was on the Saturday evening. It was the Ox South pop-up dinner in the Bally Maloo Cookery School. Last year I interviewed Stephen Toman from Ox in Belfast and um, I caught up with him and Alan Curlock who own this award-winning restaurant together on the Sunday for a quick chat. 
Stephen, a fabulous night last night in Ballymaloo Cookery School for the Ox South pop-up, as they called it. Tell me how you went about designing the menu. Um, well, obviously we had to do our prep and our, our homework before we come down, so I've uh, done a seasonal menu showcasing spring and what's on our doorstep. But, you know, when we, actually Aggie, our manager, kind of had a joke at me because we had the menus printed out, but when we get down, there was so much good produce in the greenhouses and stuff. We had to do a few tweaks. We just had to, you know. We're chefs, we're just being creative, so we had in mind what to do, but last minute we added a few additions of what Bally Malo had the offers. Because it was very much a collaboration of Northern Irish produce and Bally Malo produce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we even I brought down some asparagus, some English asparagus, and when we got there, they had organised a box of Irish asparagus for us, so straight away we quickly got that prepped, put the other stuff back in the car, and you know, they were helping us showcase what they had on their doorstep, and it was a great collaboration. I heard that whenever you went into the greenhouse, you and your team of chefs, and saw all the fresh produce there, somebody said it was like children in a sweet shop. It was unbelievable. And I mean, I had no intention of putting the pea shoots on the Amuse bush, but I seen them, they were so amazing. We were eating them in the greenhouse, and it was funny. We didn't even pick enough, but when we were doing the Amuse bush, we had 70 done. We only had enough pea shoots for like 50, so just five minutes before we served them, I was like, Sean, one of my guys, quickly run out to the greenhouse and cut me a, another handful of pea shoots. It was so surreal, but it was, it was outstanding. It was pretty. And it's not something you can do in Oxford Street in Belfast? No, it was so new to us, and it was just a challenge that we loved, you know. Well, it was a fabulous meal. Seven courses, am I correct in saying it was seven courses? Seven courses, and we did the, the canopies on arrival. We just uh, showcased the, the local um, garden radishes with the had. I mean, season now for radishes. And also we brought down some Loch Ness smoked ale, you know, uh, highlighting what we have as well up north. Um, so we had that, and then we had the seven courses, trying as best as possible to bring what we use in the restaurant down here. And it included some lamb from the Mourne Mountains. Yep. It's an amazing product. I mean, I've been using it for a while now. It's um, it's a three-month-old lamb. It's just fed on heather. It's reared on the mountains, and it's, it's fantastic. It's a little bit paler than normal lamb, but it's just succulent. It's tender. It's beautiful. For you personally, what would your favourite course have been? Um, again, I love the Amish bush. It was so simple, uh, but it was just... It was spring in a bowl. It was flowers from the garden. It was things that were through on their last minute, but worked, and it was just... Uh, it was very spontaneous what happened in that Amish booth and that's what I was most proud of. I loved the halibut and I loved the flavours. Tell me about the flavours that were on the plate with it. Um, just the, the curry. So we've done the wild halibut with um, curry, bergamot, hazelnut and again last minute we got some oyster leaves. So uh, you know I love a bit of citrus with curry. I just think it cuts right through it. Um, so that's why we use the bergamot, that orange flavour, that kind of exotic orange flavour. And then uh, the oyster leaf just give it that kind of sweet vegetable note to it. So yeah, that's a taste we've had on the restaurant for a while and that's great feedback. It was lovely. And then to finish it all off, just before the dessert, the young buck cheese. Again, another product from the north is just everybody singing about because it's worth singing about. You know, it's, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant cheese. We love it. We just served it last night with um, just some fermented celeriac and some crisp bread that we make ourselves and you know what we were proud we were proud to put that on the menu well it was an excellent menu and then of course fabulous wines to go with it Alan which no doubt you were the the selector of yeah me and my team you know it's a teamwork you know it's not only about one palette it's about everybody's palette and uh, it's good fun we we were very excited to, to be there and um, ah, it was a great night. Really, uh, we all enjoy ourselves and our team are so excited about it. It's, it's, it's great. We are really happy to have done this. And of course, 
any special night can only start off with bubbles and you had a lovely Prosecco oh, yes, to start. Yes, yes it's uh, for me uh, to start a meal, you know, the, the wine has to be um, to help the food, you know, um, to go to another level. So to start for your palate, is nothing better than a nice uh, glass of, of sparkling wine, definitely. Uh, from you know, you don't need to have spend crazy money in Champagne. You can have amazing sparkling wine from all over the world, from Italy, France, Spain, even England now. So, and you've expanded the restaurant in the north. You have Ox Kiev now. Tell me about it. Yes, so um, it's, uh, it's 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 good fun. The people are having a. Um, a nice relaxing time, pre-dinner drink, after-dinner drink for Ox, or just you, you can come for uh, uh, um, wine and charcuterie or, or cheese, good fun. It's two separate buildings, I believe. Yeah, and again, it just gives us, a, it's two separate buildings, but it just gives us huge strength on the dining room. You know, say a table comes early, or... Um, a table arrives late, you know, which might hold up the whole order system of the floor. We, we have next door to hold people and offer people and it makes us a lot stronger. And can you eat in there, like, do you have canapes, light bites, that sort of thing there? We're trying not to make next door about food, it's just about the wine and stuff, but we do have light bites. We have a bit of charcuterie um, and a lovely, lovely cheese selection. I mean, really very proud of that as well. Um, but our love of food is in, in the restaurant next door is just another another addition to the ox experience so we do do small offerings you know just light bites where people may come for a show bit of charcuterie chocolate fondue cheese but the winner next door is the wine people love it you know and what's next now for ox is it two years you've just two celebrated years. two years in business so what's next um honestly people keep asking it and next is just making ox as it is you know we're, we're happy with what we have we're content just seeing customers have a great night out. You know, they've been waiting a long time to get their reservation. It's a, it's a bit of a waiting list sometimes, you know, so they've put everything into this, getting babysitters organised and uh, and all goes with it. And to see them leave on a high and it was worth all the organisation, that's, that's enough. That's what's next for us, just to keep that going and keep the standard high. So you love to get the positive feedback. It is always nice when the customer tells you that they have enjoyed the experience. Uh, definitely. I think uh, it's... Um the question we ask the customer is, are you having a good night? You know, it's not all about are you having a good meal or a good drink. It's are you having a good night? And we are, you know, we are helping them to um, to have a good night. And uh, it's, it's very important to us and to have people, you know, smiling and great, you know, you see a great buzz in the room. You can feel if a room is Busy and it's it make us very happy and uh, it's why you know as TV say you know we next it's you know uh, enjoying our customer and, and, and enjoying the 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 restaurant you know we love what we do. Well, you do you both do an incredibly great job at it. Continued success Thank and you. thanks a million for talking Thank to you me. Very much. Great to chat to Stevie and Alan and a huge thank you to them for safely delivering a communion cake I had for my niece. My husband was supposed to take that up north on the Saturday but chicken pox struck the Noonan household and the two boys from Ox very kindly came to my rescue and took it to Belfast for me so a huge thank you for that. Now we're staying with Litfest and we're going to have a look at it from a visitor's perspective thanks to Dee Laffham who regularly contributes to the show and is a highly respected food writer and journalist and Dee joins me on the phone now. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Dee, thanks for taking the call this evening because I know you're a busy bee and you're over in London. I'm just over um, meeting a few people over here, which is always nice to visit. I love London. Well, you had a busy weekend a couple of weeks ago when you were in Ballymaloo Litfest. What did you think about it? Actually, it was my first year there. Um, due to work commitments the last few years, I haven't been able to make it down. So um, I was delighted to be there um, for my first time. It, it's it's what I thought it was going to be, but it it also was, was better in, in some ways. Um, I think it's a great festival for people who like food, but also for people who want to explore food because rather than like some other food festivals, it's not just um, centred around um, you know eating out and all about food stalls and things like that, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you get far more from this kind of festival. I mean, you know, it. It's obviously the you know the Ballymaloo, um literature um, festival of food and wine, and I mean that really means that they have so many authors um, and writers of food and drink um, there over the weekend. So and it's always really interesting perspective on things. I know. I mean, being a food writer myself, obviously, it's really interesting from that perspective to hear other writers and how they got to where they are. It's a nice, fresh. Um, approach to food, you know, listening to somebody who's searched it, who's learned about it, who's, you know, written about it, they have a real passion, and I, I think that that really shows. When you initially saw the programme, do you find it a bit overwhelming having to choose between different talks to go to or different demos? Definitely. I think, like, that's the one complaint I have about all festivals is you get to see everything, um, whether it's a music festival or whether it's a food festival. You just can't take it all in and I think you need to realise that very quickly there are ticketed events um, now there's lots amazing free events as well but some of the bigger names if you want to see them you need to book early and because it's been so popular every year every year, you need to almost be on that straight away and um, you, know, you can miss out in from that perspective as well um, good complaint but uh, but also you know if you want to see somebody your your idol or something like that it can you can be painstaking if you if you just miss them um, for me, I had booked a few tickets, um, but I just went down just to enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy seeing people. And I think that's what Ballymenu is really about, is just having random conversations with um, people down there. Because everyone is down there to to enjoy food. They're waiting for a talk, whether you're, you know, mingling uh, in the garden, sitting out in the sun. You'll just find yourself mixing and chatting to so many different people. I met some really interesting characters. What events did you actually go to yourself? Well, on the Saturday, so I went in Saturday morning. The, the opening uh, party is on Friday night, which I heard was amazing and partied till all night. But um, I had drove down very early from Dublin on Saturday morning, and I got down in time for the first one I had booked was at 9:30 a.m. and it was Fuchsia Dunlop. Uh, Fuchsia is a she used to she went to Ballymaloo previously, but she spent a lot of time living um, in China and Asia, and so her talk. Was um, Chinese cooking and cuisine and it was just she did it all through um, a photographic presentation just photographs she on her trip and um, she basically it was just really interesting to see I mean even she had a picture of um, kids um, in schools and you just wouldn't get an Irish child to eat it it's so healthy but it was like rice and um, there was about four compartments in the tray and it was rice and different green vegetables and then there was like a miso soup with this and it just was I mean, one of the green veg I think was a type of sea, seaweed or something like that and I was just thinking 
about, you know, how schools, food and everything here, and we're all trying working towards that, and some people are campaigning, but this was almost like the ideal, you know, that sort of thing, but it was just so different, it's just different in culture. So that was really interesting. Then I buzzed around for a while. People just went into the big shed, had something to eat, um, and then I went to my next talk, which was Joanna Blyson, um, who has been in conversation with John McKenna. And Joanna Blyson is, uh, I mean, really one of my uh, idols. Um, she's a food journalist, and what she doesn't know about food, I mean, there, you know, isn't much. Um, she's written many books on the topic, and her latest book is called Swallow This, which is the dark secrets of the food industry. Um, and, you know, Joanna really loves food. She blogs about food, and it was through her love of food that she couldn't understand when she went out to buy food in supermarkets or wherever. She started questioning, you know, labels and, and ingredients. And why does that taste like that? And why has that been processed to taste like that? And what is that ingredient? That doesn't make sense. I don't know what that is. And it was through those questions that she started investigating food processing and food ingredients and labeling. And it took her to many parts of Europe and undercover at a German food manufacturing expo. And, um, I mean, what she uncovered is, is um, jaw-dropping um, really, and it, it it won't put you off some food. I think it needs to be. It needs her book needs to be read. We need to know what what's going into our our um, processed food. So that was really really interesting. Got to speak to her afterwards, which was just so nice, you know. And that's about Bonnie Malou as well. You can just get to speak to you know chefs that you admire and and food and things like that, and just get go up to speak to them and ask them a few questions and just chat to them. You know, it's brilliant. I'd agree with you on that because Joanna was on the show here with me a couple of weeks ago by phone oh, so yeah. it was great to actually meet her at Ballymaloo and put the face yeah. to the voice and for her to see what I looked like as well and, and it's a book that people should really get and um, they'll they'll fairly go through their cupboards after they get it and read it. I, I, really, feel, I really feel they should because I don't think people are aware of, I mean I certainly wasn't, of um, what's going into our food. Anything, in a, as she says, in a box, a bottle, a can, a tin, anything like that has been put through some sort of process and that could mean that there are, and there are loopholes in the labelling that they don't have to put these ingredients on the label because they're not seen as ingredients, they're seen as processing aids and that is a very, very scary thing. I mean, you think you're being happy picking a fruit salad in a supermarket or on an airplane or something like that and your fruit salad's been dipped in glaze that adds on 21 days onto the expiry date. I mean, so your fruit in there could be, you know, a month or two old, which is just scary. It is, really absolutely, scary. yes. But, um, so, I mean, that was, I mean, while it seemed a bit negative about food, but it wasn't, it was highlighting how great the food, you know, being highlighted at Ballymill is and, and, and what even they do there. You know, good food, fresh food is just the way to go and I think that's what it was highlighting. Really nice to meet her and then after that I had some more food <laughs> in the big shed. I had a, a goat burger from um, I think it's pronounced Brock Gammon. Brock Gammon um, from Ballycastle in County Antrim yeah, up near yeah, my, where I'm from. Yeah, exactly and they're brilliant and their product is amazing and the burger was fantastic. It was really, really good. So then um, I was kind of very tired after getting up so early, so I didn't stay up too late partying or anything, and then got up early the next day and headed back in. And the only thing I had booked that day was um, to go on a walk with Roger Phillips, 
um, kind of foraging and talking about nature and what, and that was just amazing. I mean, he basically is, for anyone who doesn't know him, he's just one of the people who's, who was one of the first people to speak about foraging, as we call it, but I mean, just going out and putting food, you know, and um, from the hedgerows and fields and beaches and seashores and everything. And he wrote a book 30 years ago because he's said actually it was published the same year that Ballymaloo was cre- the cookery school was created since it just celebrated um, and you know what he doesn't know about wild food again isn't, isn't worth knowing so it was really interesting to go out with him we actually went out through Stephen Pierce um, pottery we met Stephen Pierce and went down to his back garden and foraged there um, he's a massive wild garden and then we went out the back of it which is onto this salt march which leads down to the shore just stopped every few minutes every not even a few minutes every half a minute stopped and picking up something else that you could eat or that it was a and you know just a plant that I didn't know about um so that was really really interesting um I'm not saying that I'll be going out you know collecting my dinner from the hedgerows in uh, Dublin or anything but it was a really interesting thing to know and learn about I think it's fascinating um, what you can survive on and what you can eat um, in the wild, uh, kind of in wild food. Um, so he was brilliant. I mean, he must be, I'm a, I don't actually know his age, but I'd say late 70s, if not pushing 80. And I mean, he is just healthy and fit. And so he just looks great. And he's just such a legend. I mean, I remember him from years ago. So it was lovely to meet him. Really nice man and as well. She's lovely. Um, and so that was a really great way to spend two hours. And then I came back um, and kind of tasted a few more things, met a few more producers. And the Big Shed is really a great place to just hang out. I mean, that's where really the centre of things happen. Um, there's producers in there, there's, there's music in there, and everyone gathers in there later at night for the party and everything. Um, and the only other thing I actually did now, I think that was Joe McNamee was holding a series of, he called them Rants, Rays and Rula Bula um, in the garden tent, which was a new tent this year. And I raised about or ranted about uh, food waste because it's a topic of focus for Slow Food Dublin for 2015 to raise awareness. And so I went in and had to speak for three minutes just off the cuff about a topic. So I did that. Um, I hopefully kept people's interest. We had a good group of people there. So um, it's hard when you think about it actually just speaking for three minutes but um, I hope I got the point across and I raised a bit of awareness as to what we're doing and tips for kind of you know how to how to minimize food waste and I think what you need to do when you go to something like that is go is make your when you see the schedule go okay I'm going to plan in a few things and then not so much more because there's so much happening down there and it's just, you know, a really good event. And um, you get chatting to so many different people. I loved it, I have to say, for my first year there. I'll definitely be looking to go back next year. So you've you've great advice and tips there then for people that are going next year to, to plan carefully and not do too much because you can get burnout from it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's so much... Um, so many fringe events and things happening that you don't need to book anything. You know, you can you can book some things when you're down there, and there's loads of free events that you can just go and talk and listen to, and and producers to chat to. That like you don't have to spend any money if you don't want to. You know, I mean, you'll end up spending money on food and things like that to eat, but 
um, or a drink, but, you know, you can just go down and just enjoy the spirit of the event. And, I mean, it really is one big, you know, party as well. At the end of the night, it's just so much fun. Everyone's in such great spirits, and Ballymaloo has that great atmosphere about it that I think it really just emulates throughout the whole festival. Fantastic. Well, Dee, thanks for sharing your insights into the festival with me this evening. I must let you go now to enjoy the, the sights and sounds of London. Have a fabulous time. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. If you've just joined us, the first part of the show this evening focused on Kerry Gold Ballymaloo Lit Fest, which was on a few weeks ago. And if you want to go next year, it's never too early to start planning and get that room booked. The dates are set for the 20th to the 22nd of May 2016. I have to say a personal thanks to Aoife McCann, Colin McCann and their drinks theatre team who I worked with on the Sunday. It was a pleasure, guys. And speaking of drinks, many of us will be a fan of the Irish coffee and you may have been disappointed to hear that the Irish coffee championships that usually ran over the bank holiday weekend that's on this weekend, i.e. the June bank holiday weekend, they're not taking place this year. However, the good news is that Geraldine O'Sullivan, who's a former producer of the show here, Best Possible Taste, has made a documentary about this infamous post-dinner coffee. It's called Irish Coffee Undressed, and Geraldine joins me on the phone now to tell me more about it. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleite. Geraldine, you're very welcome to the show tonight. We miss you very much, but you're on the phone tonight because you're going to talk about your documentary, which is Irish Coffee Undressed. Hi, Sharon. Yes, um, I miss everyone there too. Uh, Good to talk to you. Yes, I'm speaking tonight just about a documentary that I've been working on for the last number of months. Um, It's called Irish Coffee Undressed, and it tells the story about Irish coffee, the history behind it, all of the different ingredients. Um, we speak to producers that make those ingredients or people that work in the area. So it's it's kind of like a, a whistle-stop tour around Ireland, speaking to different people about various aspects. Where did you get the idea to do a documentary like this? Um, I suppose I was looking um, for stories that were related to Limerick. Um, so just looking at different um, things that Limerick is famous for, I suppose that I found that the first Irish coffee originated in Fines and Limerick. So there was a flying boat um, port there. So the flying boats used to go from, let's say, Limerick over to the States. So the story centres behind um, one day when the boat couldn't go, the passengers came back and they were all freezing. It was a really cold night. So the chef there, Joe Sheridan, created the first Irish coffee for them. So that's kind of where the, the story originated. So... I thought it would be a nice one to um, to bring to um, the West Limerick audience. And you mentioned there about the producers because the ingredients for the Irish coffee, there's not that many, but there's a few there that it really does matter that the, the ingredients are of the highest quality to ensure that the Irish coffee is the best it can possibly be. Exactly. So that's kind of the approach I was taking. You know, how could we get the best Irish coffee in the world? So then we go back to looking at the ingredients. So we spoke to um, the guys experting in whiskey down in Dingle Distillery, um, coffee. You know, we spoke to Mark Kingston from the Golden Bean. Um, we looked at cream. You know, we were out with dairy farmers down in uh, North Cork and looking at the, the co-op down there as well. 
Um, so we just took each ingredient really and tried to ask them, I suppose, for their opinion. You know, if you're importing coffee, what countries um, are you looking at? What would be what would work well with a whiskey? Um, if you're talking about cream, you know, what's important in terms of the milk and the cows and um, the same with sugar, I suppose. Um, we grow sugar beet in Ireland. So I was up with Pat Cleary there from Beet Ireland up in Kildare and asking him from the point of view of sugar, what's the best sugar you can get? So it is important. It's like everything, like any meal, I suppose. Um, if you have good ingredients, you know, the final product is going to be good as well. When you made contact with the producers initially and invited them to take part in the documentary, what was their reaction? I think they were, um, I think they were happy about it. I suppose it was, maybe it was a bit unusual, you know, somebody um, talking about a documentary for Irish coffee. It's been, I suppose Irish coffee has been around for so long. Um, you know, people connected a lot with Ireland, part of our heritage, and it's associated a lot with tourists maybe. Um, so I think they were happy. I mean, anything that I suppose promotes Irish food is always good. And uh, this is something that has really been popular abroad as well. Um, as part of the story tells, um, there was a guy, that's a travel writer that came over from San Francisco in the 1940s and was really um, captured by this Irish coffee and brought it over to San Francisco to friends of his that ran a cafe over there called the Bonavista Cafe. And they ended up selling over 30 million Irish coffees over the years. So it just shows you what a wide appeal it has to, to different countries, you know. Whenever you're making a radio documentary, you really have to rely on the audio because obviously there's no visual aspects to it. What challenges did that pose for you? Um, I think from my point of view, that was an exciting part because I went to meet the different producers or the different people I interviewed, you know, in the place that they work. So, for example, you know, I went out um, to the fields with the cows for the the dairy guy. I was um, in the field digging up the sugar beet uh, with the guy for sugar. Um, went into a cafe looking at how to make a perfect coffee. So I think it's, it's interesting from that point of view because it brings the listener um, into the story. So the idea was to make you feel like you were there at the time. Uh, with me so there's lots and lots and lots of background noises anyway the world irish coffee championships always t- were part of the the foins festival that's on this weekend this bank holiday weekend but sadly they're not doing it this year yeah that's that's right um they have been running it for the last 25 years so um i actually went to it myself last year and it was really excellent really enjoyed it um They have a competition for different, would say, restaurants or bars or hotels where they put forward um, somebody from their company to make the Irish coffees and there's competition between them and, you know, the winner receives the official Irish Coffee Champion Award and flights to America, etc. So, yeah, it was a really great night, fun night. Um, There was a meal and music, etc. But they didn't run it this year, so that's a pity. Um, but what they have said is that they intend to bring it back maybe for birthday celebrations. So I think, I suppose with any festivals, sometimes when they're running for quite a while, um, it's nice to, you know, change it a little bit or reinvigorate it. So they're just taking a break for a while. So hopefully hopefully it'll come back on because it's a, it's a really good night. When you were there last year and there were a number of finalists then all vying for the, the championship trophy, did they display different ways of making the Irish coffee or is there a very standard way to make it? 
I think they, like, I mean, there is a standard way to make it, but I suppose because it was on stage and was front of an audience, some of them wanted to be a bit more theatrical, so they had, you know, fancy spoons and fancy bags and, you know, maybe shaking the cream with a cocktail maker. Um, they also had a part of the, the competition where the contestants could produce an Irish coffee with a twist. So that was really up to them, and that allowed them to bring in a bit of creativity, you know, um, you might have, like, one of the guys now, the guy who um, won the competition, he had green cream. Um, so it was like St. Patrick's Day, they have green cream on the Irish coffees. Another guy, he reduced down uh, a few pints of Guinness to have that as part of the coffee. And, you know, they added dis- different flavors into it. So um, it was it was good from that point of view. And just to see what type of twist they would uh, put on the Irish coffee as well was interesting. If you were at that championship last year and you've been working on the documentary since then, it sounds like an awful lot of time and effort and hard work goes into creating it. I suppose for for me, um, as you know, I had a, a little baby recently, so or not recently, she's eight months now. So I was doing it, I suppose, um, at different weekends um, throughout, uh, I suppose, the last number of months. So uh, it's been really enjoyable, to be honest. I mean, it's really... Um, nice to meet those people um, from different walks of life that I never would have had a chance to meet and to understand a little bit about their businesses and things like that. So it's be, it's really enjoyable, but um, I suppose there's also the um, um, the work that goes into it as well. But that's, uh, you know, I've enjoyed my time doing it anyway. Are you an Irish coffee lover yourself? I am. You know, I do like them. In fairness, my uh, my mom and my aunt, uh, my aunt lives over in Australia and. Um, herself and my mom, they love eating, say, desserts and Irish coffees is another item. They almost put it into a little dessert category, if you know what I mean. Sometimes after a meal, they'll have the Irish coffee. So they're they're often out in our house, um, kind of like a dessert, you know, especially after a big meal or maybe a meal that we've put a bit more effort into. So, yep, I'd uh, pencil myself in as a, a, an Irish coffee lover, all right. And have you any plans for the future to make other documentaries with a food or drink theme to them? Um, I have a few that I'm thinking about, but I haven't um, I haven't finalised any, so I'll have to keep you posted on that one. Absolutely do. We would, we would love to hear from you. And so Irish Coffee Undressed, it's going to air on West Limerick 102 FM on Tuesday the 2nd of June at 6 o'clock. Yep, yep, that's the plan. And then it will be available, if people miss it on the night, it'll be available on the soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show podcast. That's right. And we, we'll put out, um, I suppose, some uh, information just closer to the time um, on Twitter. So people can keep a, an eye yeah. and an ear out for it. Geraldine, it's lovely, been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on tonight to tell us all about it and good luck with it. I look forward to listening. Great. Thanks a million, Sharon. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me talking to Geraldine O'Sullivan about her documentary Irish Coffee Undressed which will air next Tuesday the 2nd of June on West Limerick 102 FM. I think it's on at 6 o'clock. 
hop on to tunein.com to listen online or check out the Best Possible Taste podcast where the documentary will be available a few days after airing. The link for that is soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show and we're going to spend the rest of the show tonight looking at a few events coming up in June with Fulcher Ireland's Sinead Hennessy who joins me on the phone now Bon Appetit Yummy Grubs up Delicious Mmm Sinead, you're very welcome to the show this evening. Thanks, Sharon. June is a jam-packed month of events for food and drink lovers all over the country. It's unbelievable. We won't have a moment to spare any weekend. And the bank holiday weekend is going to kick it all off and there's quite a few things happening there and one event in particular which is very close to us here in West Limerick 102 FM is the Culture and Chips event on in Limerick City. Absolutely, and it's one that I'm really looking forward to. That's a quirky food carnival. It's taking place this weekend, which is the June Bank Holiday weekend. Um, And it's going to all be happening down in Arthur's Quay, um, just by Limerick. Um, The event itself is going to be hosted in a 1920s Spiegel tent. Um, Now, I was in this tent myself last year, and it is fairly spectacular, thinking gaspy, circus, highly entertaining space. Um, it's going to, I suppose, on the Friday night, um, there's going to be a culinary carnival banquet. And that's going to be hosted um, by Chef Paul Williams of Canteen. He is serving up a menu of locally sourced produce from the region. And that's going to feature matching wines and craft beers as well. Um, the music and the music and your lineup for 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 culture and chips is 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 pretty exciting. Mick Flannery is going to be playing on the Friday night, and Hermitage Green are going to be playing on the Sunday night. Um, one element of the of the lineup that I'm really excited for is on the Saturday. It's a free event. I'm going to be taking the kids down to it. It's called the Spiegel Kids Rhythm, and we, we they're going to have Drum Dance Ireland down there, and they're going to be doing a session with kids and families in the morning. Um, following that, there is the World Chip Championships. Um, so the, 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 the search for the world's best chip will be happening um, during the day there, so there'll be loads going on. And that's the second year of Culture and Chips, so we wish them all the best with it, continued success with it. I'll certainly be down there. And up in Dublin then we have Bloom, which is a fabulous event, one of my favourite, and I was talking to Gary from Bloom last week, so we don't need to say too much about it, but I'm sure it's one that Vulture Ireland enjoys going to. Absolutely. Um, Happening the same weekend, um, the line-up this year is is as amazing um, as it has always been. In the Quality Kitchen, um, you've got some really, really great emerging chefs uh, featured. So you've got Simon Lamont, um, the Lazy Chef. You've David and Stephen from the Happy Pair. Their artisan food market is looking great this year, um, as well as the Bloom Farmyard um, market, where where the visitors will will get to meet Irish farmers and take part in, in lots of activities. So that's two fabulous events to start off the the June, the month of June, starting with the bank holiday. What else can we expect for the month? Well, on the uh, from the fifth until the seventh of June, which is the weekend after, we've got the Ballybunion Wild Atlantic Seaweed Weekend, um, and as you can imagine, this weekend celebrates everything that's good about seaweed. So from seaweed in cookery um, and healthy living to seaweed in beauty products. 
and of course the age-old famous seaweed baths. Um, the festival itself is going to be opened on the Friday by Claude McKenna. Um, following that reception, visitors to the festival can watch Cloda demonstrate recipes featuring seaweed and seafood combinations. Um, over the two days, there's going to be a selection of seaweed-enhanced tasting menus, um, and they're going to be available in the town's many restaurants. It's 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 really really all about um, all about the seaweed for this one. Um, one element that I think is 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 pretty cool is that uh, you can, of course, they have things like. Um, seafood cookery demonstrations, um, foraging for seaweed, but you can also take a boat trip off um, Ballybunion um, and you can learn about the unique Shannon dolphin that lives off the shores there, which I think is a, is, is a nice spin on it as well. Absolutely. We we celebrated my son's first birthday a few years ago in July down on, on one of the beaches just outside Ballybunion. The weather was absolutely amazing and the dolphins were just swimming along the shore there. It was incredible to watch it. It's amazing down there. Now, I haven't caught sight of a dolphin um, off the shores of Ballybunion yet, but um, I've, I've heard a few people who, who, who have been lucky enough, Sharon, and it's, it's just spectacular. It's a spectacular part of the country when the sun shines as well. Well, I can confirm that they are definitely there. I've seen them with my <laughs> own eyes. So that's Limerick, Kerry and Dublin we've looked at. What other counties are doing food events in June? Well, on the um, up um, up along the west coast, we've got um, from the 11th to the 14th of June, we've got the Soul Sligo Food Festival. Now, Sligo has really done loads um, with their food this year, um, and they're really, really kind of coming coming up on that, let's say the food chain. Um, so it's going to be taking place, as I said, from the 11th to the 14th. The event program includes a wild food experience. There's going to be fermentation workshops happening, a pop-up ferment bar. Um, There's going to be craft beer food tasting events, um, cookery demonstration. And for those who are familiar um, with this event from last year, you probably remember that the the Slow Sligo Yates food trail takes place at this event as well. So participating restaurants are going to be offering up tapas-sized house specialities for a fiver throughout the festival um, there's loads to do uh, in this festival um, plenty for kids to do as well there's pizza making workshops and that sort of thing happening on the Saturday so it's it's really an, a jam-packed entertaining lineup. and then is Be A Lover is it on around the same time or when is it on? Be A Lover is happening on from the 19th to Sunday the 21st of June um, and that's happening in Aston Rye in County Galway which is east of Galway it's about 20 kilometres out but a beautiful part of the country um, and it's 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 looking well it's it's celebrating and promoting the, the variety and quality of food and drink produced in Galway as well as the west of Ireland the core event for this festival is a showcase where artisan and craft producers can can promote and sell their goods on the Saturday and Sunday. Um, there's going to be cookery demos again. They're going to feature local produce and cook-off competitions. Um, and loads happening around the food element as well with local musicians, artists, artists and entertainers. So we also have Taste of Dublin and the Listowel Food Fair to talk about. That's right, that's right. I'll start with the Taste of Dublin. Um, that's happening as well on the 11th, from the 11th to the 14th of June in Dublin. 
um, and it's been hosted at the Ivy Gardens, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, it really is a celebration of Dublin's unique um, and progressive dining scene um, and you've got a really really good wave of, of, of new chefs coming up in Dublin so it's a great one if you're really really food forward so over the, the four days the city's Dublin city's latest greatest and hottest restaurants are going to be putting together fantastic signature dishes there's going to be celebrity chefs up there they're included are Ross Lewis from chapter one you'll have Michelle Rue Paul Flynn Nevin Maguire, to name just a few, um, and Mark Moriarty, from he's our Young Chef of the Year. He's going to be up and about at that event as well. So loads happening in the Ivy Gardens on that weekend. And one of the things I don't like about that is the queuing for food. However, this year they have engaged JustEat.ie. They're going to have right. people brand theirs Just Eat, and they will take the orders, take your florins, the the currency that they use there to to buy the the dishes, and they'll go and get it for you. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, to to to, to just be able to sit and relax and have everything brought to you is 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 a great addition, isn't it, this year? And then the Listool Food Fair. We've had a couple of people on the show here over the past month or two that are involved in the Listool Food Fair, Ireland's longest-running food fair, in fact. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you just took the words out of my mouth there, Sharon. It is um, Ireland's longest-running um, food festival. Um, and it's something that I'm really, really excited about this year. It's promising a feast of culinary entertainment. Um, I'm very interested in, in, in this tribute to Kathy Buckley, who was the cook for three U.S. presidents, as I understand it. Um, and, of course, the, the first ever All-Ireland Craft Beer competition is going to be staged on the Saturday. Um, other highlights for this festival are going to be foraging in the local park, children's drama performance, of course, this is going to be food-themed. And then, of course, it's fitting that the, the Ireland's longest-running food festival um, finishes up on, on, on the longest day of the year, so there's going to be a big barbecue and market on the final day in the square there in the stole. And Zumba. Zumba as well. Zumba as well. If you're into Zumba, you can be dancing along in between co- eating courses just to work the calories great. off as you go along. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be an incredible weekend. And again, it will be of interest to people in the West Limerick area because it is only down the road from them. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's going to be great. That must bring us nearly to the end of the month of June. Well, we do have um, one that is quite new to me, although it's been running for for quite a long time. We've got the... the, the east coast of the country we've got strawberry culture and food fest that's happening on the 24th to the 28th of june in wexford um and i suppose what strikes me from the itinerary of this um sharon is how fun looking it is um it's going to be uh, nevin mcguire is going to be down there as you can imagine it's going to be all it's all about wexford strawberries the oil all ireland farmers market competition um, is going to to happen there at the weekend as well. Um, the first night, actually, um, and it sounds like a, a good good crack. Um, the strawberry ball is going to be taking place, um, and the strawberry queen competition is going to be launched, um, which sounds like a kind of a, a fun spin. So all of the weekend, all over the weekend, the best of Ireland and Wexford, or uh, pardon me, Wexford 
um, is, is going to be showcasing um, the best that you can buy um, all at the one place. So it, there's things like teddy bears picnic, face painting and that kind of thing. So it's a great one for the family as well. Fantastic. So lots of choice there for people to to choose from. And Absolutely. if you have to pick one yourself, Sinead, which one is it going to be? Oh, uh, it's very, very difficult because they all look great. Um, but you know what? I'm going to stick with home and I'm going to say culture and chips. Well, you're helping yes. me out then because I would be torn between the Listool Food Fair and the Culture and Chips. So I'll give you Culture and Chips and I'll take the Listool Food Fair then. Great, great. Hopefully we'll take in both. Hopefully we'll get to go to both. And the details about all those food festivals are on your website, discoverireland.ie forward slash food. Absolutely, that's right. Sinead, great to talk to you and we will talk to you again in another few weeks and you can let us know what's happening in July. I will. Thanks, Sharon. And bye to all your listeners. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleunter. Great to chat to Sinead. And before I go, a very special event that I want to highlight. Michelin star chef Derry Clark from Lake Crivan in Dublin is coming to Arda in County Limerick. On Saturday the 13th of June, he'll be cooking up a five-course dinner alongside Newcastle West Golf Club's resident chef John Quinn. And company wines are included and it's €100 Euros per person. That's part of the 2015 Nights of Westfest programme and you'll get details on their website, which is westfest.ie. And finally, congratulations go to Tara Walker in County Louth. Tara has expanded her East Coast Cookery School, formerly the Tasty Tart in Termenfecken. I'm told it's a purpose-built cookery school and kitchen in Tara's own very welcoming home in the countryside. The focus is not just on food, with fun being high on the list of ingredients for the success of Tara's demonstrations and cookery classes. Upcoming classes include casual suppers for friends, tackling simple yet impressive starters, mains and desserts. Or you might want to give your summer entertaining some attitude with badass barbecue, which consists of perfect meat and fish dishes with beer and wine, hopefully hosted al fresco. Making the most of the fabulously fresh seafood available locally, Fish Landed in Clorherhead features lots of different preparation and cookery methods for fish and shellfish. And all these classes take place from 7 o'clock in the evening until 10 o'clock and details are available on the website eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. If you have an event coming up, it might be a cookery demo, a product launch or even a fundraiser. Be sure to send me details to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on Best Possible Taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. My sincerest thanks to you for tuning in and huge thanks to all of tonight's guests, Jacinda Dalton, Leslie Williams, Stephen Toman. Alan Kerlock, Dee Laffin, Geraldine O'Sullivan and Sinead Hennessy. A final reminder that the Best Possible Taste podcast is online at soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. I'll be back at the same time next week, all being well. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy the long bank holiday weekend and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!